Welcome to Into the West, a Middle Earth SVG podcast where we discuss the competitive side of the game. I'm Charles, and with me today are Richard, Ian, and Alexander. In today's episode, uh, we will be covering a special topic, and that is the best hero under 100 points. Now, each of us has selected a hero under 100 points, and we're going to present our case on why they are the best hero under 100 points. And I wouldn't say necessarily the best, at least for my situation, but I would say like my favorite or one of my favorites. Yeah, not necessarily one that you think is the best out of the whole game, but just like one that you can use very effectively in a list. We each brought a list that incorporates this hero. We'll kind of go through our list and explain why they're so good, why they're such a crucial part in our list. Because okay, um, cool, I don't, I don't want to defend why mine is the best under 100 point hero in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not necessarily the best, but just like one that we we really like. And after we've all kind of gone through our choices, we'll vote and debate on which one of us brought the best hero today. So I'll kick things off with my list. And the hero that I picked is Denethor, Steward of Gondor from Midas Tirith. So what's interesting about this hero is that he is the cheapest hero of Valor in the game at 35 points. He is cheaper than the vast majority of captains, basically all captains other than maybe some some goblin captains. And this means that he allows Minas Tirith to really spam out and become a horde list at low points. Most Gondorian heroes are in the range of 60, like the cheaper ones are in the range of 60 to 80 points, and he can bring 15 models for just 35 points. His stats are not overly impressive. He's about the same as your average fight five captain. You know, he has two attack, two wounds, defense five, no might, which is probably his biggest weakness, three will and no fate. Uh, now, everyone knows his first special rule, which is broken mind. At the start of each turn, he has to make a courage test. And if it fails, then evil player controls him for a turn, which likely means that the evil player will charge him into your own models to try to kill them. So this one I actually think is a little bit overrated because Denethor has a base courage of five and he has three will. So in most cases, he won't be failing his courage tests, at least not for the first five or six turns. You pretty much have to roll under a five more than once because you have three will. So I think it's pretty solid, and you can always like include a Defense 7 model near him. So even if he won, if you have priority, you can pin Denethor, and he most likely won't even kill that one warrior. So I think it's not as big of a downside as a lot of people think. And then his second special rule, the rule of Gondor is mine and no others. If your force contains Denethor, then he must be your leader, uh, unless you have Aragorn King Elisar. So this one, I, I think it's like... It could be like a good and a bad sort of special rule. So at lower points, I think it's, it's fine. You don't mind him being the, the leader because, you know, he's most of the time you'll have other heroes to kind of deal with the enemy leader. And it's, it's fairly easy to protect Denethor. You can just keep him in the back. His main role in your army is to just bring as many warriors as possible in his warbands. So you're not too worried about him having to do all that much. Well, yeah, first of all, I think I agree with you. Just, like, he is kind of underrated. And he, I guess he is overshadowed by the other, like, the big three in the Minas Tirith list. Just because they, they can hit really hard and stuff. But, yeah, like you say, he's not going to fail a lot of Courage tests for a while. Especially if you're in a pure list, because then he gets plus one Courage anyway. So you're sitting in Courage 6 base. 
And like, I guess if there's like a Nazgul around or something with Harbringer, like that's kind of annoying for you. But even then, you're still in really good shape. And yeah, like, I don't know, even if, if a Ringwraith is spending their will casting spells at Denethor, I think you're kind of happy. Because, I don't know, if they do Drain Courage to make you fail a whole bunch, who cares? That's a bonus for you. They're wasting their will on a 35-point model, right? Or if they try and do, like, Black Darts, well, you still have three will and two wounds, so you got enough defense, you can just survive a few of those. So I, I kind of like him as a leader, honestly, especially if you pair him with Huron. It, it's... It's cheeky, and I, I'm kind of surprised we don't see him as much anymore. Maybe it's because he was so big last edition. I don't know. What do you guys think? I like the, I almost want to say quiet nature of this profile. is very good in the sense that, as you said, he's a 35-point model. So if you insulate him well, he's not going to fail his courage tests for at least a little bit. From time to time, he's actually kind of capable of knocking off a few models himself, being fight vibe and two attacks. You just have to really uh, keep him well-protected. But I think if you do that, you're obviously able to increase the size of your army. He becomes a centerpiece that you can really build around because he's so cheap. I think it's a really nice thing to have when you have other heroes that are going to be more offensively minded. They're going to cost a fair bit more. But to be able to really fill out the, um, the troop portion of your army with a character like that, you know, no one's ever going to argue he's not worth his points. Yeah, I mean, like you guys have touched on, Broken Mind, I don't think it's much of an issue, because like in lower points, he's good there. In larger points, if you take him with Boromir, you know, he's he's fearless. So, or not fearless, but you automatically pass this particular courage test. So you're good in that area as well. So I think he can also be used quite well in larger points. He's just kind of like a way to hoard out with Minas Tirith. I think one thing that you have to also remember is that I think we touched this in the Faramir episode a while back, but he's a detriment to Faramir, so you have to be careful that you take the right son with Denethor. Yeah, yeah. You definitely don't want that father-son synergy. And, and it's it's kind of hidden, too, because it's, it's not in his profile, it's on Faramir's. Yeah. He's not as good in larger points because he has to be a leader, and, you know, two wounds, no fate is, is not amazing. But the list I brought as an example is uh, my 600 points, and I think that he's really good at this points level. So first warband, we have Denethor as a leader, and in his warband, there are five warriors in Minas Tirith with shield, five warriors in Minas Tirith with spear and shield, one guard of the fountain court with shield, two rangers of Gondor, and two rangers of Gondor with spear. Second warband, we have Hurin the Tall on horse, and he has one knight of Minas Tirith with shield, five warriors in Minas Tirith with shield. Five warriors in Minas Tirith with spears and shield. Three guards of the fountain court with shield. And one warrior in Minas Tirith with spear, shield, and banner. And the last warband, we have Irlas with four rangers of Gondor with spear. Four warriors in Minas Tirith with shield. Two warriors in Minas Tirith with shield and spear. And two knights of Minas Tirith with shields. So 600 points, 45 models, and six might. So we mentioned earlier that Denethor's one worry that you might have is that as a leader, he might like die really easily. Well, with Hurin in the list, as long as Hurin is alive, your enemy, if they kill Denethor, they'll score one VP for wounding Denethor, but they won't get anything for killing. So I think uh, the trade-off of losing that one VP is not terrible. Unless you're trying to go with like the shutout every game at a tournament. I'm okay with losing one VP and having Denethor die and him being able to bring so many models on. Because I have 45 models I have eight models with defense four in the Rangers. Everything else has potential for defense seven. 
and it's really good army for grinding at 600 points. I have Hurin and Irolas who can both fight decently, so it's it's not like doesn't have any hitting power either. And the last thing is that there is one rule that Hurin has, which allows him to re-roll a d6 when he's within three inches of Denethor. So you might have to be a little bit careful here not to have Hurin within charge range in case Denethor's broken mind goes off. If he's like out of will and you think he might fail any turn, you definitely don't want that. But if they're like fairly close, it does mean that Hurin can have potentially five dice on the charge to win if he also has a banner within three inches because they stack. So for a 90-point hero, having potentially five dice on the charge, I think that's pretty solid. He can go up against big beat sticks if he has to, or I can throw in Irolas at a big beat stick and let Hurin do the damage as well. So that's my list. I just want to start by saying, um, you know, when I first saw this list, because Hurin was actually a hero that I had thought of selecting for this episode, I liked the profile a lot. So when I saw the list at first, I was like, oh, he's picked Hurin. But no, you've picked Anathor. And quite frankly, with this list, I, I feel like it doesn't matter which one you've picked. It's it's quite a good list. For 45 models and 600 points with an army that has shield wall, it's going to be very difficult to beat. You know, I, I talked about insulating Denethor, and you're not going to have an issue with that. You've also got a fairly decent little bit of shooting, few knights in there. At 600 points, yeah, you're going to have a really hard time cutting through that line. Because you're not going to see the the huge heroes normally, I think, that would pose a massive threat to uh, the defensive core of the army. So there's a lot here to like. So, okay, Irolas, well, whatever, he has march and defense, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, so that gives a lot of flexibility to the list. The only real concern I have is that Huron is the only one with strike, and you kind of want to keep him protected. But then again, it's not a big deal, because if he dies, then you can go play super defensive with Denethor and make sure he won't die, so then it doesn't really matter if Huron dies. So it's not the biggest weakness. And considering you have, like, 45 models, that's a lot. That is a lot, especially when you got a lot of, like, a decent amount of fight three, fight four in there, too, and good defense, so... I'm actually okay with Huron being my biggest hitter, because what would an average, like, army have a super hitter be, like, a Dane or a Bard? I'll throw a Urlass at him if I can, Mm -hmm. and then Huron can dish out close to the damage of a big hitter. He's just more fragile. He's just more of a blast cannon, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so I I agree. Like, it's a bit of a concern, but it's not the worst, especially considering you have so much defense 7 or potential for defense 7 in a list, so... Most enemy heavy hitters are still going to need, quite often they're going to need sixes to wound, right? So you can just kind of tar pit them, like, really easily. And then also, yeah, like you're saying, uh, airless as well. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, but you got the march, you got a few knights in there, you got some found core for passing courage tests if you need it. And then you have the courage buff anyway, so everybody's courage four base, so that's pretty decent. I, ugh, I like it a lot. I, I'm tempted to give it a legend. I don't know. I think I'm going to give it a Valor right now. I might go higher. <laughs> we'll see what the other two say. I'm pretty happy with Valor saying it's Valor, though. It's it's good, though. It's like a strong Valor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like your strategy of coming against, like, a, a legendary hero that's, like, close to 200 points. You could definitely have an edge on those kind of lists. I think my fear for this list would be coming up against something similar with maybe two or three not so big threats, but can still like grind through some of your troops. 
because Huron is pretty much your only killer in this list, and he is kind of fragile. Like, if, let's say, he gets shot down, you won't really have any killing power for the rest of the game. But with that being said, too, 45 models at 600 points, and these aren't, like, naked goblins or anything like that. Like, these are actual dudes with armor, so... Yeah, I think I think you'll just overpower most lists with numbers straight up. And yeah, like um, I think Alex touched on this, but you actually picked three solid heroes under 100 points today. But we're focusing on Denethor today, and I'll give this a legend. Yeah, I th- I think I'm I'm gonna give it a legend too. I, I give it a little bit of extra thought, and yeah, this conclusion I come to as well. 45 models with a lot of defense, seven in 600 points you're going to be hard-pressed to find an army that, at that point's level, be able to break through your army in the time frame necessary and with the points available. I just I don't see it happening very often. All right, so that was my hero, Denethor. The next person will be Ian's pick. Okay, so I was very tempted to go for Arvidui when we were picking these guys, just because, well... Go listen to our other episodes. I've gone on enough about him, I think. So I decided to go with somebody else, which I think is fair, considering I actually throw this guy into a lot more lists whenever I'm writing my big, messy, crazy alliance lists. And I think it is warranted, because uh, he can hit really hard and he just adds a lot. So the hero I picked was Theodred from the Rohan list. And I I think part of the other reason I picked him is because he is kind of undervalued, I find. He's not taken a lot. And I guess that's probably just because... Theoden's Legion uh, at the Pelennor Fields is so popular. It's because of the sculpt. And maybe because <laughs> of the sculpt. It's, it's not a beautiful sculpt. Um, yeah, I, I'll agree there. You know, if um, I've seen some people make uh, conversions of him with the new Amir model, and I would highly recommend that instead. It also just looks like a fantastic kit anyway. Uh, lot, lots of extra parts, lots of stuff you can do. Very poseable. So, yeah, Charles, that's a good point. <laughs> And basically, I really like three attack heroes that are around that kind of midpoint range, like around 100 points. I really like him. And Phaedra kind of hits that sweet spot. He's a little bit weak defensively, but because he has the three attacks and he can be mounted on a horse, it can be quite devastating. And that's before you bring in the um, uh, his special rule, Reckless Charge, which means in a turn when he charges, he rerolls all failed wounds, which is crazy. He turns into like a mountain hasher. The negative to that is that if he's able to charge an enemy model, he's able to do so, but I've never found that to be too much of a disadvantage, because unless he's your leader in a lower points game, just because there's a lot of ways around it. For example, like if you set up a turn before, you put two models in front of him, and the enemy moves up, so now they're within 10 inches of him, but he doesn't have 10 inches if he has to move around those models' bases that are sitting in front of him, so you make him move first. He's technically within range, but he can't charge, so then you're free to move him as normal. Well, at least that's my understanding of the rules. So, just a quick example, I don't think it's that big of a negative. And then once he's in combat, you want him charging things anyway, so it's not terrible. Yeah, just crazy damage output for a very small package. Yeah, is, is there any uh, any thoughts you guys have? Well, I agree with you that he's very cost-efficient for the amount of damage he can dish out, and also... As a hero of valor, he's good for just allying in as like a small hitting hero or like a medium-sized hitting hero into other lists that might not have this kind of hero to choose from. I think Richard might have brought this up in a previous episode, but 
I think the one downside to him is like in scenarios like Fog of War or Assassination, where even if he's not the leader, he can be targeted just because because of his special rule. Most likely, you'll be in combat every turn, and he might always be kind of close to the thickest part of the fight, and he could be targeted pretty easily. And um, I think that's like the downside to this profile is that I can see people targeting him a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. I, it's good that you brought up the uh, allying thing. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. But yeah, I think that's one of the other reasons why I find him so useful is like if I want some hitting power, but I also kind of want to bring in some cheap troops to buff numbers, you can bring seven point warriors of Rohan, which I find super handy to, to buff numbers. He's kind of like <laughs> a loose comparison, but I guess in damage output, he, he's kind of similar to Boromir of Gondor. And it kind of depends what you want. Like, if you need to buff your numbers, then I'd go for Theodred. But if you just want better hitting power and, like, a fight six here, you can go for Boromir. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised that we don't see him a lot as maybe even a one-drop. Like, if you don't want to bring Rohan with him, I think, like you said, he's he's kind of like a hand grenade, you know. And, yeah, just really solid stat line. And, you know, the reason being is because Reckless Charge is kind of a double-edged sword. So, I don't know, yeah. I think in the hands of a player with strong positioning skills, I think you really, really mitigate that. You know, like I've seen Ian play with him a lot of times, and, you know, he's he also excels in the Legendary Legion. So, yeah, really solid hero. I really like the versatility that he brings to the list in the situation. I think we're seeing a lot of this in, in this episode and when we talk about these types of heroes. Obviously, you know, the one fate, he, if left exposed, has his issues but, you know, you can make him defense seven. He's pretty resilient that way. For under 100 points, you know, having a three-might hero that you can put on a horse, so long as you can position him well, as Richard said, I, I, I think he's quite worth his points. And if you're looking to create an alliance list, he's a pretty good option, too. All right. So I guess I'll jump into my list now. So I was really tempted, again, also, like, to take the, the Legendary Legion and just talk about how he's pretty good in that. But I think... Again, I've talked about that before, and I wanted to try something else to kind of highlight his just his damage output with the Reckless Charge. So this is what I went with. Uh, my first Warband is Theodred. He has the Shield and the Horse. I would take the Throwing Spears if I had the points. I just never find that I do, but I think it'd be nice just to have like a little bit of extra chip damage, you know, uh, on somebody like him. Anyway, uh, he's leading two Warriors of Rohan with Shield and Axe. One Warrior of Rohan with Shield, Axe, and Banner. One Rohan Royal Guard with Horse. Five Outwalkers, so Outriders on foot. And five Rohan Royal Guard on foot. And no Throwing Spears, unfortunately. My second Warband is Four Along the Fat on the Horse. He has ten Axemen of Lossenark with him. Four Blackroot Veil Archers with Spear and one Blackroot Veil Archer. And then my last warband is Saruman the Wise from White Council with a horse. So basically, the big idea with this is Saruman uses his 18-inch compel. He pulls a hero out. Theodred goes at him, lads, and just stomps him into the ground. Also, potentially combined with four long for extra plus one to wound goodness. Yeah, I also realized... As I'm, like, reading this out, this list has an absolutely ridiculous amount of, like, Courage buffs. Like, it's got Saruman with the Aura of Command. It's got six Rohan Royal Guard with Bodyguard. And then it also has Forlong with the Horn. So, <laughs> if you're playing in a Courage Metal kind of thing, I think this list could do kind of really well. Uh, yeah. The basic idea is just you kind of 
you use Saruman to pull out enemy threats, hit him with Theodred or Forlong, if, you know, depending on how the positioning works. And then you kind of just build out your basic, you have a basic shield wall that you can build out with the Warriors of Rohan and the Rohan Royal Guard if you need to, with the Axemen behind. Yeah. Oh, I should say uh, that comes out to 650 points, 32 models, which is 17 dead to break, 9 might, and 10 bows. I, uh, I I really like the strategy that you're calling out with the Saruman pulling a random hero in the front line out and then just hammering them with the dreaded Forlong. For all the basketball fans, I want to dub this play the alley-oop. Saruman with the assist, and then Theodred and Forlong just dunks on them, fools. Um, <laughs> That's good. I like that. We, we yeah. should uh, Maybe we should make our own tactical dictionary. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I... I was actually surprised for you to fit like three really solid heroes and Saruman is like more on the expensive side, but you still have solid numbers at 32. I think that's the beauty of uh, having fiefdoms and warriors of Rohan. They're, um, they're quite efficient for their points cost. It started off as a 600 point list and it just, it had 28 models and a lot more warriors of Rohan. And I was like, no, it's not going to work. So I don't know if this list is going to work at any other points value. <laughs> But I like it at this level. <laughs> yeah, just just watch when uh, COVID is over. You start hosting a 650-point tournament. <laughs> Shh, you're on to me. <laughs> the locals can't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for anyone who plays 650 in their local meta, this looks like an interesting list. Yeah, I really like it, actually. I can't find too many weaknesses. I wouldn't really want to play against this. I think, like, the one weakness I would say is if you're versing, like, a really heavy shooting army, especially, like, an elven list who can easily outshoot you, and your guys are a little softer, so they will go down. But otherwise, yeah, I would be really interested in seeing how this list works. Because, I mean, aside from the uh, dunking strategy, Saruman, with his Sorcerer's Blast and Transfix, can kind of neutralize the enemy beat stick and then you have the adred and forlong just you know cutting through the enemy troops like butter so yeah uh i i don't know like i feel like i might just have to give you a legend too just so many legends being handed out today like candy oh my god i think that might be a first ever for you <laughs> what what do you mean two legends in one episode oh. that's insane yeah. <laughs> episode's not over i I like this um, combo as well. I think the Forlong and Theodred comboing against a hero, I don't know what can really um, survive that. I mean, because Command also prevents the opponent from striking up, you can actually save Might on Theodred if you're commanding like a model that's lower fight, you know. So Theodred can actually save his Might for hero combats, and um, that can be pretty devastating. When he can have two combats a turn and re-rolling all the dice, Richard brought up the lower defense, lower numbers that might make you vulnerable to shooting armies. Another issue I I actually can see is that you don't have a heroic march, so that might make it even tougher for you if you're fighting against a shooty army. Not even like Rangers of Athelion. I'm thinking like any army with a siege weapon, which you might see at 650 points, or like a Harad gunline or Corsairs or anything like that. This could be pretty tough because you have a lot of defense four, and your highest is defense Oh, no, you have some Defense 6, a few models. but So I actually was thinking, what if you swap Forlong's Warband for a Gambling on Horse and more Rohan? 
Now, I know I complained when they nerfed Gambling, and I don't think he's very great anymore, but if you combine him with Theodred, if he just stayed close to Theodred and just keep giving him might and just use that command combo, and then he calls like a hero combat every single turn, I wonder if that would be better than using Forlong. That would be interesting. The one concern I would have with that is then you wouldn't have any normal spears, so you couldn't form like a really like a, your standard line, mm-hmm. which generally you want to have, or at least personally I like to have if I'm going to run a wizard, just to make sure they don't get engaged when I don't want them to. That's true, because you're not a legendary legion, so Rohan doesn't have support. And another issue I would have with the gambling combo is because Theodred doesn't have march or any really heroic actions he wants to call outside of combat and he has three might, I don't know when you would start refreshing his might. Because you don't want to just, you know, just for the sake of getting that free might, like burn all three might in the first turn of combat because it's not worth it, right, for Theodred. And you don't want the game to just like end and then you've just got one might off gambling's banner. It's not really worth it. Yeah, it's hard to make gambling work now. I think if you wanted to go that route, then you would go like a mostly mounted army because then you don't have to worry about support as much and you just burn your bite marching and heroic moves and stuff like that. But I don't dislike the forlong pick. I was just wondering if there was a way to get a march in there. Maybe you could go with like a different faction other than fiefdoms. I don't know. Or maybe a Dawn Roth captain. I don't know. And, he's not, not oh, he's not a he's not a Valor, right? Yeah, right, that's so. the tricky thing. I don't dislike the four-long pick. I just think that without the march, I might want to get more than one mounted royal guard in there. But yeah, other than that, solid list, Hero Valor. Now, I like the hero choices here. At this point, I'm essentially echoing a lot of the concerns of the other guys. The numbers are okay. Defense throughout a lot of the lists is a bit low. So without the march, yes, I would be concerned about coming up against... Something that would be able to outshoot you and really kind of just pin you down. But I I like the hero choices. I do like the Axemen for the support. I do like White Council Saruman. Very, very good. You're not going to have any courage issues. But I, I do worry about if you were to come up against a strong shooting army. I think that's the one real deficiency to this list. So I think I'm also going to give it a Valor. So that was Theodred. Next, let's have Richard talk about his pick. Okay, so we're going to the evil side now. I picked Ashrak from the Moria army list for 55 points. He's one of two of the, I guess, like, caster animal casters that we have in Moria. So you see him often in, like, beastless and, and such. So his stat line is not impressive at all. With move 5, fight 2, strength 3, defense 4, 1 attack, 2 wounds, uh, courage 4. So the reason why you take him is for the spider synergy. So he's he has a couple special rules. Cave Dweller, Death Touch. So any models that wounds or is wounded by Ashrak in a fight must roll d6 on a 4+. plus. They suffer the effects of the paralyzed magical power. So that one is... A bit underrated because it's kind of a defensive spell. He has poison blood, so he can take giant spiders in his warband, which are usually found in the Mirkwood army list, and you can upgrade them for two points, and they get Venom. So I believe Venom is you get to reroll all two wounds, which is really solid considering giant spiders have a base of two attack. And then he has Spiderkin, 
So only spider models may benefit from Ashrak Stand Fast and Heroic Actions. So that's kind of a downside. And for the Shroud of Shadows magical power, you can only cast on spiders. So yeah, his two magical powers are basically Fury for spiders and Shroud of Shadows for spiders. So Shroud of Shadows is basically... It's basically like the ring effect. That's the channeled one. Oh, yeah, sorry, it just adds the uh, the Havoc fight value if you channel, right? The base one, it prevents enemies from shooting. And you can go through models? You can move through models, yeah. Yeah, so Shroud of Shadows is you can move through models, and if you channel it, then you get the full ring effect, which also halves the uh, fight value, the person you're fighting. Unfortunately, he only has one might and four will, so you only get that one channel. But that's that's kind of like, I guess, the game-changing move that try to do to assassinate enemy heroes but i mean even without just the normal cast of the shroud of shadows could be kind of dangerous to send a spider to the back of someone's line and snipe like a banner or a soft target or something like that so yeah it definitely has some tricks in its bag so what are your guys thoughts shroud of shadows is i think a definitely an underrated spell i know you'll get to your list in a bit but it's like it can be a win condition, right? If you're trying to uh, assassinate like an enemy leader or assassinate someone holding a prize or an heirloom or something, because you can only target spiders, it's perfect for that role because spiders move 10 inches. So like you have a pretty far control zone with it, pretty far reach. And I don't know if you would actually cast Fury, but if you did, they would also be fearless when they're within six inches of him. So... I think he's a really good specialized shaman kind of stat caster. And I think Venom backs for a two-point upgrade is actually a really good deal, right? Because normally they only reroll ones, and then it becomes reroll all at strength five. Yeah, I don't really have the points worked out in my head, but two points to reroll both of your attacks at such a high strength is really points efficient. Just to go back to Shroud of Shadows a bit more, like even the not-channeled version is essentially giving... Like your spiders a fly for a turn. You just go through enemy models. And maybe even better because it, it prevents people from shooting at them properly too if if they're not jumping into combat. Yeah, and very hard to charge. They have to take a like a handicapped courage test. Yeah, honestly, man, like <laughs> the potential for shenaniganry with this guy is is so high. And considering his points cost at fifty-five, that's that's pretty cheap. Like, if you're going to do a, a Moria list with, like, maybe one big monster and just a whole bunch of smaller heroes to support it, and then some spiders, like, I would really consider taking him in it. Yeah, if you're going to take anything more than, like, two or three spiders, I definitely would. And, yeah, so the, the spider shenanigans, awesome. I think most of the time you would just use his will for Shroud of Shadows. But, I mean, yeah, oh, it's just it's so nasty. And then the other thing is... Like, the Death Touch, that's crazy. Like, once he runs out of will, you're just going to throw him in, like, opportunistically, if you want to, into enemy heroes, and just try and, like, try try and get, like, paralyzed them on a 4+. plus. He has to go two-handed, so he might actually cause wounds. Well, yeah, yeah, I was going to touch on the Yeah, he's got the two-handed staff, so, like, it's it's not a... Even though he's strength three, it's, it's not a bad chance that he's going to do damage. And on top of that, it's a staff, so he can stun too, right? Just imagine like, there's this. There's so many options for shutting down. <laughs> it's crazy. 
just imagine this like the enemy like lsr is just like looking down at ashrak and is like get away from me <laughs> i do not want to fight you i don't want to wound you well yeah this thing is like usually with shamans you're like i want to break through the line i want to get him and i'm gonna flash kill him just trying to like get rid of him as quick as i can and this guy is just like you know what man Tr- try it i dare you LSR wounds Ashrak on a 4+, plus, and then he's immediately dismounted and paralyzed. <laughs> yeah, like, if I charged, like, Dane into him, I would consider, like, bashing with Dane, because I'm like, I don't want to wound you. <laughs> Honestly, you found a use You found a use for bashing with Dane. That's crazy. Ugh. So, what? wait, what happens if he, like, a mounted bottle charges him? Say, LSR charges him. Somehow Ashrak wins the fight. Maybe he's got a cave troll with spear supporting him. Hey, Richard. <laughs> he wins the fight somehow, and then he kills the horse. Does he then get to do the death touch roll on Aragorn? I mean, it's any model. I don't like this. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would love that it could be possible because he's not it, like. It depends it. on what side you're on in the very controversial recent FAQ about whether a horse count as a separate model or the same model. Yeah. With the Gen off the White FAQ that came out. Wait, can you paralyze Smog? No. I don't think he becomes prone. No. No, I don't think Smog can ever become prone. It's in the FAQ. Can you imagine Smog just, like, charges into a whole bunch of goblins and he's like, I'm gonna do my epic barge. He barges, he kills, like, ten goblins, and then he's paralyzed. <laughs> He steps on this goblin, and then he's immediately tranquilized. Like, ow, my foot! <laughs> That's insane, man. Oh. Richard, I really understand why you like Moria, man. There's so much freaking shenanigans in this list. This is a stupid amount of shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like a lot of people look at his, like, big bro and Druzag, but, like, he's... Ashrak is, like, half the points value, and as much as I like Druzag... And he brings his own, like, crazy shenanigans, too. But Ashrak is, like, now that I'm looking at him more, like, it's just, he looks so underrated. And, yeah, definitely has a lot of tricks. Too bad he's, like, impossible to find and, like, so expensive on eBay. I honestly, I think you could build a list out of taking the two of them. They're both heroes of fortitude, too. That's crazy. You could build a list out of them and just, like, a whole bunch of, like, board marauders and bats and spiders. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's limited to one per fight, right? The way I read it, like, if Elsar does, like, you know, two wounds to him, then he's got to roll two four-ups, right? Or two D6. Any model that wounds. Yeah, so I think it's just if they do a wound. So they could do, like, five wounds, but they only get one roll. Oh, uh, okay. Let me, let me look up the FAQ. Any any model that wounds or is wounded? Right, sure. It sounds like it's immediate, so if you have the fate still and you save it, oh, no, then you're not wounded. It prevents the wound, yeah. yeah. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. Then wouldn't that mean... No, it's not immediate, is it? Yeah, well, I don't see why not. It doesn't well, say at this... the end of the fight. Yeah, but it didn't say immediately, though. All right, guys, let's stop trying to cheese this. It's good as it is. <laughs> I think it's, it's immediate. It doesn't say I don't think it doesn't say immediately though. It just says they suffer the effects. Can you imagine because, if it's immediate though? Because like you do one attack, you do a wound to him, and you have like a five attack model or a four attack model, and he's like, nah, you're paralyzed. What if it's a model that deals an impact? Hit? It's just in a, fight. in a fight. Oh, in a fight. Okay. All right, all right. I'll go on to my list. 
I feel like we've uh, we've really opened up every possible option here with Ashrak. I, I think he's a great character, and the, the things he can bring, especially with the upgrade to the spiders in the Moria list, is just another bag of tricks. It's another thing that Moria can use beyond the bat swarms and the marauders and the prowlers. Okay, Richard, read your list before this opens up another thing. I don't want that to happen. Okay, so... Yeah, like, there's so many possibilities with this guy. You can go with, like, the Druzag and Ashrak combo in Just Moria. I decided to make something a little bit different. So my leader is Deburz, uh, leading six Moria Goblin Warriors with no gear, uh, two Moria Goblin Warriors with bow, two Warg Marauders, two Bat Swarms. And in the second warband, we have Ashrak leading five Giant Spiders with a Venom Back upgrade. And then in the third warband, we have Melthasaron with Shelob. And then in the fourth warband, we have the Spider Queen leading three Mirkwood Spiders, two Fell Wargs, and a Bat Swarm. So this is a total of 28 models at 800 points. So I know, like, the first thing people say, like, 28 models at 800 points, you know, and the defense isn't the best. So the way I counteract this is it's 15 to break, and I have eight goblins that I will be hiding in a corner. So this takes down to only 20 models that will be most readily available in combat, and five of them will be heroes. So assuming that the heroes are a bit tougher to kill, you would need to kill literally all my warrior models in the surrounding combats to break me. And a lot of them are multi-wounded, so... I feel like that's kind of a task in itself. So that's my mitigation of breaking. So I guess like Ashrak is kind of like the main catalyst in this list with so many spiders available. But in particular, I'm bringing the two queen spiders and Shelob and the spider queen. So like we talked about with Shroud of Shadows, like that's a win condition that you can send one of these killers straight into the back line or anywhere you want with basically the ring effect and i also have three bat swarms so even if you run out of the might you don't have any more channels left in ashrak you just send a normal shroud of shadows in spider runs to the back line or wherever to whichever big hero and then you send a bat swarm alongside with it does the same thing so this list is made for assassination and I believe I have the hitting power in the Warg Marauders and the Giant Spiders to hold a line. And in this way, the cavalry basis actually works in my favor because I don't have a lot of models. So I can actually hold up a line fairly well with these two, three, and then even four attacks on the charge for the Warg Marauder units. So they can hold their own in a battle line as well. I think the only big weakness that I'm kind of scared of is that... Ashrak and Deburz are just move five models in an army of, you know, at least move 10 to 12 on the rest of my units. And they're either flying or like move through any difficult terrain. It's a super mobile list, but I just have to be able to get Deburz and Ashrak in the right location. I mean, Shroud of Shadows still has a 12 inch range. That's that's good enough. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What's that? Richard made a list with a bag of a thousand tricks? No, that's not like him at all. Oh, man. I'm looking at this list and thinking of all the times I've played you, where you've played Moria or Mirkwood 
and related armies. And I see this despite the low numbers, the way you've laid out the kind of mathematical breakdown of how you'd play this list. Unless, of course, it's random deployment and Deburz's warband kind of gets trapped and beaten down. Of course, you would probably spend any resources necessary to make sure that doesn't happen. But unless that was to happen, if you do a good job of hiding the goblin warriors, then yeah, that list does become quite difficult to handle. At 800 points, your opponent will have a lot of resources, so I think it would still be quite close. But with that many spiders, with what Ashrak can bring, the fact that Ashrak can enhance the abilities of both Shelob and the Spider Queen, it's devastating. It's a pretty scary list to face off with. And just when you think you might have one of these big hitters beat, and then you come up against three bat swarms, uh, they're a nightmare because they have your fight value. They have a ton of wounds. So they're a lot harder to get rid of than they look like. And that's just one, maybe two of them. When you've got three, this list just looks like it's so much more difficult to deal with than the math would indicate. Oh, God. There's just so much stuff going on all at once, and none of it is easy to deal with. I, Damn, Richard. You, you couldn't pick, like, one big spider, eh? You have to go for both. <laughs> and all their, like, little kids, too. <laughs> I brought the whole family along. <laughs> oh, and man, the it's... upgraded spiders, too. Like, when you think yeah. about it, not just, not just both big spiders, a whole bunch of small spiders, and then medium-sized spiders that you upgrade. <laughs> We talked about Ashrak having the Paralyze on a 4-up in combat. He also has three Merkwood Spiders that can shoot Paralyze on a 5-up if they don't move. <sighs> and then, yeah, like you're saying, the base size, like, looking at this on paper compared to looking at this on the table is going to be a huge difference. Like, on the table, this is going to take up a lot of space. So, like, the board control you have because of, like, just your base sizes and the amount of models and, like, the amount of models that can move fast, it is deceptive. Just looking at it on paper. I, I want to give this a legend, but I, I'm weary about sh like shooting heavy lists. Like, I know you can bum rush them in like two turns, though, with a few things just to like stop their archers. So I'm I'm not sure if that's enough of a weakness to, to change this. The, to, the, spider, to it down. the spider queen plug too with the oh, yeah. Yeah, i was just gonna yeah. say if you think for a second that you can really like outshoot richard with this list if he's within two feet of you on the board with this list i know for a fact the second this game starts you're moving the spider queen full popping up the the broodlings and then moving them full directly into uh, a bunch of archers and that's just the first yeah. thing to my mind so I've seen well, what happens with the broodlings. People forget they exist. They forget what they can do. They forget the fact that they can charge the same turn that they're summoned onto the board. And, you know, it's just another thing. It's just all of these spiders. And, yeah, the speed of this army, too, mm -hmm. is, I think, something you forget. You look at the spiders, you forget they're all move 10. It's essentially like a full cavalry army at this point. It's a cavalry army that has venom. And, oh, God, it's... At the at the lowest, I'm giving this a high valor. Yeah. I'm a little weary of the of the model count. You know, I, I don't think it's a super easy list to play. Yes, it has a lot of offensive threats, and they move quickly, and that's very nice. But obviously, it takes a lot of tactical thought to be able to to make this work. I don't doubt you'd be able to do it. It's just so much going on. No one's surprised that Richard brought a massive tempo list to the episode. <laughs> 
Like the whole thing is tempo. It's all 10 inch movement with, with the ability to make them walk through walls and other models. And it's, it, Oh my oh God. I'm, I'm giving it a legend. I can't even deal with this list. I'm, I'm going to give it a high valor. That being said, I still think it's kind of like legendary. Like you definitely can win tournaments with this, like for sure. The only reason it's just slightly down from a legend for me is because you no know, banner, so you're kind of giving up VPs. That's not a huge thing. It's definitely you can assassinate the enemy banner, no problem. So it's not like a big thing. But again, the shooting thing still hurts me. But it's not as bad. Like we said, there's a lot of counters you have. But something like Harad with the Betrayer. If they get even one round of shooting off with like 20 bows, they're going to do a lot of damage to you just because your defense is so low. Something like that, or even fiefdoms because they have the same kind of reroll thing, or like Corsairs. And because those are so prominent right now, I'm not sure. I'm sure if I saw that play out on the tabletop, I could be convinced otherwise. But don't get me wrong, Richard. I I don't want to play this. I love it, though. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> It is. <laughs> I wonder if three vast swarms is a little bit overkill because you have so many tools to assassinate like single models already. Because you have uh, Shadow Shadows, you have Spider Queen that can do that, and then you have Nelsaren's Transfix. So then like the Burst can Heroic Strike too if, if he needs to. So you have a lot of counters to heroes, and I'm wondering if you should maybe swap out a vast swarm to get more bodies in there, just because right now you're if you're gonna be hiding your goblins your battle line is going to be eight spiders and two wargs. And at 800 points, I'm just imagining it on the table, eight spiders and two wargs. It's a decent amount of bodies. A lot of them have multiple wounds, but if you're facing off like against an army that can grind, let's say like 25 Iron Hills, or like a around 20 like Mirkwood Elves with Randuals uh, plus one to wound. I, I don't know if your warriors will die too fast. I think you have a lot of tricks that can kill any hero that you need to, but then, like, against Warriors, yeah, it's hard to see this, how it plays out just, like, in my head, but I think it might have some trouble. I agree with you, Charles. Maybe a Bat Swarm downgrade to a Ward Marauder, and then with those five points, just give those Goblins shields. Because oh, right now, if okay. somebody gets to them, they're just going to die so fast. Yeah, could definitely do that. I was thinking more of, like... Maybe taking out a Bat Swarm and then dropping, like, four Black Numenorians into the Mouth of Sauron's Warband or something. To give him something in his battle line that's tough to crack. But yeah, Ian's suggestion's not bad either. I, I mean, I think I could work with something like that. I mean, like, I could even drop the, both the Fell Wargs with the Bat Swarm because, I mean, Fell Wargs, I was kind of, like, iffy on because I'm already so mobile, I'm not really worried about objective taking. And yeah, maybe I put a couple more Gold Knights in here or... Or uh, Warg Riders, or just more Spiders. I don't even know if you need to do that, honestly. If you just swap the Fell Wargs for a couple Goblins, and then more Kit. Because Durber still has three spaces left, right? Yeah, and then Ashra actually has two. Yeah. yeah. The Mordor one, though. Mouth of Sauron is a Hero of Valor, so he says 14 spots there. Oh, no, 15, because Shelob can't in another model's Warband. So, Mouth of Sauron is, is a one-drop right now. So you could go for a pretty beefy Mordor Warband if you just drop a couple models. I still think it has a huge potential, too, and if you're going to, like, a three- or four-game tournament, some of them might not even have one where you need to kill the entire enemy army, you know? You're going to do well in any objective scenario and anyone that's, like, assassination-related. So it's just, like, specific scenarios that I think this won't be the best, 
But yeah, still, I agree with you. And it can easily win a tournament just because of how much it can do. So I'll give it a pretty strong hero valor too. The final list and pick of the day is from Alexander. All right. So I had a long, long think about what hero I was going to pick for this episode. I went over probably about 15 different options, slowly whittled it down, and I went with a hero in the end that I have a lot of experience with. I use in quite a large number of my Mordor lists. I like him for a good few reasons. And ultimately for me, that was Gorbag or Captain. Now, he is a hero of fortitude. I always take him with a shield. His uh, base is a fight four, strength four, defense five. Again, shield, so it becomes defense six. Two attacks, two wounds, courage four, three, one, one. So something that I always take into account with Mordor army lists, especially if I'm playing a pure Mordor list, is that he is a three might captain level hero with heroic strike, which is very important to me to get at least two of those in a list. Now, his special rule is where he really comes out. Orcish Brawler allows him in a situation in which he is outnumbered during a fight to increase both his fight value and attacks by one. So in a very sneaky manner, many people tend to forget this. He can become fight five, three attacks before he heroic strikes. Now, of course, he's not a primary hero. He's very much oftentimes my secondary combat hero. I like to use that in a situation in which I'm creating outnumbered situations where I will plug him into two troops and let all the other orcs around him swarm everything else and essentially create uh, trap model situations. I really like this pick just because he's so affordable that I can get my other big hero, I can get a few different options around him and allow him to play a very effective support role. He does need to be well insulated because he's only one fate, but he's otherwise durable at defense six. He's two wounds. He's obviously much better against troops. And when he does outnumber, obviously, unless he's fighting against elves, he's going to have the fight value advantage as well. So, so long as he can stay kind of doing what he does best, he's very good. I do worry about him against heroes, but again, try my best to keep him away from those situations unless it's like a low-level captain that he can strike against. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, man. He's like, Gorbag is surprising, but I don't even think I would take him as like a secondary like combat hero. He's like a tertiary kind of like level or like even like your fourth kind of combat hero. The reason I say secondary is just because I find that, especially in a pure Mordor situation, just in the Mordor list, they have a bit of an issue with the kind of mid-tier combat heroes. So for me, he often ends up playing a little bit of a higher role than maybe he should. But also just because I'm not a huge fan of Shagrat. And if I have the Witch King, which I usually do, it becomes too expensive to have Gothmog. So it kind of becomes a process of elimination at that point. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on what, what uh, points value you're playing at, too, right? But, yeah, his special rule is really cool, because it actually, like, like just from a theme perspective, it, it is really nice, because he's kind of, like, slimy, and he's really tactical with the way he's, like, maneuvering and getting into fights. And then, yeah, like I said earlier, I love my three-attack heroes, like, around this, like, low points level. And he's, like, what, 55 points, 60 points? I mean, it's conditional getting those three attacks at 5-5, but it, it is good. He can definitely uh, munch through troops. He, he's very, very happy and very proficient at doing that, as well as just, you know, bringing the three might. 
And of course, like we're saying, along with like the sneaky orcishness of him, tossing him in like once you get another like an enemy big hero down a bit from resources with another big hero who can strike or just from magic. Yeah, he can jump in there, strike up from uh, fight five if he's touching two other models, and yeah, he can help you do the business. So I, he's a good shout for uh, considering how cheap he is. Uh, I like it. It's a good pick. Yeah, I'd probably say that out of the wide range of orc heroes in the motor list, he's one of my favorites. And yeah, the orcish brawler rule is pretty good. The only issue with that rule is it kind of relies on Gorbag moving first. Because if Gorbag gets pinned by one model, then he's just a generic or captain with three might and strike. So I do think that it does require a little bit of positioning and maybe luck. But for what you're paying, yeah, great potential. Yeah, I mean... He's pretty much the old faithful in Mordor. Like, I'm sure we've all run with him before. Just a really solid stat line. I think the only thing to know is, even with the Orcish Brawler rule and Heroic Strike, they don't really work that well fighting against heroes, because a lot of times when you end up fighting a hero one-on-one, like, the special rule doesn't activate. So I find that even though he has the Heroic Strike, most of the time when I play him, he's relegated to, you know, fighting regular warrior models and trying to churn through them as fast as he can. No, for sure. That's that's where I play him. Like I said, I try and keep him away from heroes unless they're, like, low level. He's very proficient against troops. The only time I think I really plug him into a bigger hero or a combat hero is when I'm essentially trying to stall them or, like, a Hail Mary attempt to get a wound off somewhere. If you put him up against a big hero, he turns into this little glob of green paste on the ground because he just gets thumped pretty quick. Well, speaking of anecdotal Hail Marys with this guy, I'm pretty sure he held up my Dane in one game that we had, Alex, for like four or five turns or something like that. Something insane. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think I plugged him into Dane and maybe another Iron Hills Dwarf or something. And so I was fight five and just kept Herok striking. And I don't know how I managed that, but it was like, yeah. I'm just gonna gonna sit there and and really uh, make Dane do nothing. When you can make a hero that's like three times your points cost do nothing all game, it's pretty nice. And between him and Shagrat, I take him every single time just because he's essentially when you put all the gear together, he's he's about half the cost. And as much as his rule is really based around him getting movement or getting positioning, so is Shagrat's. And for half the points, I'd rather take the chance with Gorbag on that one. He, along with, like, Grishnak, they really do well in those creating trap situations that orcs really need to utilize in order to make the most of their game. So for my list, what I will do is I've actually sorted the units by the numbers that I have rather than Warband. If you want to see the actual Warband breakdown of this list, uh, you can see it on our Facebook page at Into the West Podcast. We have this list, all the rest from this episode, other lists, thanks to our episodes, and other such painting posts, and fun stuff like that. So as I said earlier, I've broken it down. I'll just read out the number of each unit that I have rather than the actual warband breakdown. Otherwise, it would get a fair bit messy. I have the Witch King of Angmar, Crown of Morgul, Three Might, Fourteen Will, Two Fate, and a Horse, Gorbag with a Shield, Kardish the Firecaller, Guritz, Master of Reserves, and Black Numenorean Marshal. He does have the Armored Horse and a Lance. You don't even look at the two-handed weapon replacing no. the shield. No. No, why would I do that? Why would I knock him down in defense for that? I don't want to do that. Thanks. Uh, so with that, I have 
Four Black Numenorians, 13 Orc Warriors with Shield, 12 with Spear, 6 Moranin Orcs with Shield, 6 with Shield and Spear, 1 with Shield and Banner, 3 Warg Riders, and 6 Orc Trackers. That is 800 points, 56 models, 12 might points. For a little bit of context, the Orc Trackers are all in Kardish's Warband for the purpose of A, Honesty Bows, because Mordor's bow options are not good, and to be the cheapest possible option for Kardish to suck the life out of to get his will points back. Essentially in this list, I have solid four heroes that I would say I definitely add in most lists, and one that I say is a pretty decent mid-range option. Witch King obviously is my primary spellcaster. He's very efficient that way. He's also fantastic in combat. Give him the crown every time because he gets the added attacks as well as rerolls. The Witch King is my leader in the list, of course. The Black Numerian Marshal I always appreciate, just because while he cannot strike, he is one of my heroes with access to Heroic March, which is very important for Mordor. Again, they're not going to outshoot anything, and you need to move rather quickly against a lot of armies. He also has a lance that's mounted. I find oftentimes mounted heroes in Mordor are a bit of a difficult choice because aside from the ring wraiths, you've got a lot of foot heroes, not a ton of mounted options. So offensively, he can still pack quite a punch, causes terror. Gorbag, for the reasons we've already discussed. Carter's the Firecaller because he's just better than a standard shaman in every possible aspect. He synergizes well with ring wraiths. He's absolutely devastating, considering that if you think of it mathematically and the idea that he could suck up a singular orc tracker and eliminate an opponent's banner, a soft target, and or just pick off an expensive unit one at a time. He can also remove himself in order to replenish the Witch King, which is always useful if you want to be more aggressive with the ring rates. Gurrits, because in any tournament situation, especially at 800 points, you're going to probably come up with one scenario at least where there's random deployment or you have to roll for your deployment. Being able to put Gurrits out there first and give a bonus to the rest of your army is just fantastic. He's also another three-might hero, and he's another access to march. So there's a lot of potential mobility in this list. I like to play a very quintessential straightforward try and outnumber, outlast the opponent on basic numbers, and just play a well-rounded list is what I'm going for here. I feel like we just got a Mordor faction review. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I'm trying to get a sense of how this list complements Gorbeck, but maybe the whole point of Alexander's analysis is that while you're focused on Kardash, Gurits, and the Witch King, no one notices Gorbeg, and he's in the back just, just munching warriors because you're focused on so many other big threats. At least that's kind of how I see it. That's, that's exactly I, I what I'm going for. Charles Charles gets an A in my course. He's obviously <laughs> listening and reading the material. I appreciate well, his analysis. He's very thoughtful <laughs> and a pleasure to teach. I think, yeah, the... the <laughs> it's like I'm back in high school, man. <laughs> Like, you know, one of the generic phrases out of, like, the 20 they have that they put on the report card that you get every turn. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think that's kind of, like, the strength of this list is just kind of, like, the bleed you're going to have on uh, on the enemy troops. 
just from like the numbers you have and then the, the pretty decent like kind of captain level mid-tier level combat heroes along with the witch king because you have the witch king and like the marshal gorbag and gurts all charging into combat along with just your main line you're just gonna do just like sequential amounts of damage every turn like you can basically guarantee what five six kills just from your heroes every turn if they're charging and fighting and then you add on the fact you have you know, freaking 50 other models to go in and, and help and get traps and do damage. And a lot of them are at strength four, along with Cardage just blasting a guy a turn. It's, yeah, I, yeah, it's solid in combat. Um, did you say you had a drummer here? You don't have a drummer. I don't have a drummer. I was saying that the two marches, a minimum of one, but having the two is really helpful unless you have a drum. Mordor needs that option. But unless you want to pay for like a mortar troll with drum, which is quite expensive... Yeah, the, the the double march isn't bad considering your model count. Like, it, it's going to mean you're going to be able to shift most of your army up rather than just, like, one small bubble. So that's not a bad shout. Yeah, I I don't know if there's much else to say. It is it's pretty nice. It's kind of nice to see the Numenorean Marshal out. You don't see them out a lot. And, and they do kind of hit that sweet spot. You know, the Fight Five, Mounted, Lance, that's nice. The only concern that I can really think of is why the Witch King only has two fate. I'm not a risk taker. I'll give him the third fate. Just maybe make it 13 will and three fate, or just drop an orc if you want to. I don't know. I, I don't know. I've always played it 3, 14, 2. I think it's because oftentimes the Witch King can be rather protected as a spellcaster for a lot of the game and doesn't really get into every single combat. He gets into his selected combats, so he uses fewer fate that way. But yeah, for, for the five points, I might drop especially with Kardish being able to eventually late game replenish some of the Witch King's will. I really might drop one of the will points to add the fate point, but the only time I've really been absolutely petrified of only having two fate was when I came up against a particular profile that Ian quite likes, uh, Galadriel Lady of Light. Really, really devastating when you're a ringwraith. Everyone fears her! ha ha ha! Yeah, I think I'll... Wait, how many Ward Riders did you have? You had enough. You got the Arch. You Three. got the Banner. Three. That's enough. You got Mounted Heroes. Yeah, I think I'll go with the Valor. Yeah, I mean, I I like this. You pretty much have everything you would want in the Mortar list. Um, all the great heroes that we've talked about. The Black Numenorea Marshal, again, like, I like that pick, too. I, I know we've talked about the, uh, the Captain of Numenor multiple times, and you know, they have slightly different stats with, like, the Courage and the Armored Horse and then the Terror versus the Resistance to Magic, but they're pretty much the same points, points efficient. So, yeah, great pick. Yeah, I mean, there's really, like, no weakness I can see here for this list. It's just what Charles mentioned was that, like, I feel like Gorbag is nice here, but he's also kind of replaceable. So, I don't know. Yeah, it could be a good thing for this list, or... I'm not sure, but I think overall this list gets a legend from me because I'm like Oprah today. Everyone gets a legend. Yeah, the list is pretty solid, but there are changes that I would make to it. So other than Kardush consuming orcs, you don't really have that much orc-specific synergies, as in like you don't have Gothmog, for example. So I really think you should take advantage of that and just spam out Black Numenorians just because they are one of the most cost-efficient UL models and you have access to it. So I'd actually take like 8 to 10 of them, maybe. And especially when you have Harbinger, then it, re- it really makes them really good battle line. The other thing was 
for the same points, I'd probably go for Mouth of Sauron over Black and Minori Marshall. I just like that third caster threat. And he has the march too, so same role. He has the Drain Courage, which could go well with your uh, Harboring of Evil. But that's just my preference. So there's just some tweaks I would make to it, but it's a solid list and uh, it's kind of what you want in a Mordor Horde. So this one, I could probably give a Hero Valor. It's been a while since since everybody's list got like valoring up. Yeah. <laughs> Who did the Charles? Did you get you got two legends, right? Yeah. Charles. Charles, Charles had just picked it out. We the rest of us got one legend and two valors, and Charles got two legends and a valor. Wow. So those were the ratings for the lists, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I've won the best pick of this episode. So. Just to summarize for our listeners, I selected Denethor, Ian selected Theodred, Richard selected Ashrak, and Alexander selected Gorbeg. Based on our analysis and the lists that we brought with these heroes, who do you guys think is the favorite hero under 100 points? Am I allowed to vote for my own? (laughs) I'm assuming no. Well, I just hope this isn't a 1v1 gladiatorial match because Ashrak will be easily outmatched. <laughs> or he could just paralyze his opponent and then just um, double strikes on his, <laughs> on his opponent every, day, every turn. I mean, to be fair, if, if it was a 1v1, just like a tournament bracket, whoever has to fight Theodredona's horse is not in good standing. Because <laughs> uh-huh. if it's 1v1, I can't even take advantage of Gorbeg's special rule, so what's the point? Okay, I, I would I would just need to wound the address horse first. <laughs> oh, God. Then I'm calling over the TO, Richard. But, okay, assuming I can't vote for Theodred, I was thinking my vote was going to go towards Denethor. That's where I was at initially. That's where I, I was to... at initially, too. Really? I hate you. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> but after the discussion, I think I'm actually at Ashrock. I think so. He's just so cheeky. And ugh, damn you and yes. your shenanigans, Richard. Yes. Are we all going to vote, are gonna vote profile that you can't currently buy unless you want to spend a lot of money? I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Andrew's just safe right now, too, isn't he? Or is he available? He, he's know. available. I mean, okay, I, I like your pick, Ian. But the thing is, you can kind of use another similar model. I don't know. I mean, there are quite a few hard-hitting heroes under 100 points yeah. so that can kind of do something similar. I mean, it is quite obvious what he's. I, I still like that profile though. Yeah, um, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it is definitely like super obvious what he's gonna do in the game compared to like the other guys that you guys brought. Yeah, yeah, I do like your list, but I I don't know. I might have to um, I might have to go with Ashrak too. Especially in that list, he's kind of like the model that makes the whole list work. Like half his list is spiders. He kind of can give any spider the one ring for one turn. (laughs) That's pretty uh, gross if you think about it. Yeah, I think we all started the episode with our own opinions. And by the end of the episode, Ashrak was the only true option. (laughs) Yeah, when I looked at that list, I was like, no way. Ashrak is uh, the engine that makes this army go. That's that's it. (laughs) 
Richard, were you expecting this at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was just like, that's oh. wild. To be fair, that's also because crazy. we are, we, I think we are thinking of this in terms of the lists that we built. So it, I guess it does depend on each player's individual list. But based on that list, yeah, Ashrak is the little engine that could on this one. I mean, I just feel like I need to play with Ashrak now. Definitely was surprised, though. Well, you've got the Moria list now, right? Yeah. I yeah. want to see, like, all 1,000 different variants of this list, Richard, when we come back. Every tournament for the next two years is going to be a different version of Moria. Does this mean that whoever Richard votes for is second place? <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> with one vote. Uh, all right, come on, so Richard. So much power. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that means two people tie for third. That's sick. <laughs> Everybody's top three. Yeah, I mean, I like all these profiles. Like, I've used Gormag a lot. I really like Theodred and just him being a Valor now. And, you know, I love being able to build convenient alliance lists. It really helps. And then Denethor, he's, yeah, he just makes your army into a horde, which is like the meta nowadays. So three different play styles of these heroes. But I think by a thread... I think Charles's argument kind of sways me where he says that, you know, there are numerous amount of Rohan heroes who kind of fills like Theodred's role. And also like, you know, we, we compared him to Boromir of Gondor as well. So that's another option. Whereas I feel like Denethor in the Minas Tirith list is truly unique. And if that's the kind of list that you want to build, then he's the man for it. Like, like the list that Charles brought today, it was like very similar to his Lake Town Guard list, which is just like a very, very cheap leader and then hoarding out on a bunch of Fight 4 as well. And it's it's really scary at low points. So I think I got to hand it to Denethor on this one by slight margin. No! <laughs> <laughs> I get it, though. Yeah, Denethor was like my close second pick. Yeah, quick comment about Ian's pick. I'm just trying to think now, how many mounted heroes at three attacks are there in the game at under 100 points? Because um, when I was thinking of heroes that can fill his role, I was thinking like Faramir with Lance or like a Hurin. Like, are there, any, yeah. are there anybody else with three base? I would have to look through um, profiles. Maybe the Dragon Knight, but then I'm thinking good side right now. Yeah, Dragon Knight, that's a good shout. Uh, yeah, oh. maybe Ian does have a point. Just to defend him, because I've already gotten my second place, so I can I can help him. <laughs> well, that's how it is. Very strategic, I see, I see. Yeah. There probably is another hero, just off the top of my head. I'm only thinking Dragon Knight right now. Maybe Durnhelm. Durnhelm has three attack space. But um, she's a minor hero, I think, so it yeah. would Lower it would be kind of harder to build a list, especially when you want to put in Saruman, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, maybe if you were doing, doing like the, the the all cav option, maybe that. Mm-hmm. There's more of an argument for gambling though, because of the Mary part of the profile. Gambling could just refresh Mary's might every turn while keeping Durnhelm's two might store. You still need a Valor hero in there if I had Saruman. Yeah, so it would be harder. So Theodred is a really good choice still, I think, for that role. He's still pretty rare in that, but yeah. Yeah, that isn't really... I, I'm struggling to think of anybody else who can get to, like, the, the four attacks on the charge under 100 points. Yeah, so... Maybe <laughs> the, the Witch King with the Crown of Morgul and nothing else and a horse. Yeah. Boromir would be 105 mounted. 
without yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be over. Yeah. So nothing's coming to mind besides yeah, uh, yeah Dernhill. Are there any um, closing comments to any of the picks? How could this happen to me? I made my mistakes. <laughs> Sorry, that I'm losing to, my mind. That has to be one of the oddest conclusions to one of the episodes I think we've ever had. Okay, <laughs> that has been our discussion on our favorite heroes of the game under 100 points. Thank you all for listening and look forward to the next episode of Into the West podcast.